Welcome to the show. Here's my dad. On this episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast, we talk about adopting during the COVID-19 pandemic. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Infant Adoption Guide podcast. My name is Tim Elder. I'm a dad of three through infant adoption, and this show is all about domestic infant adoption. You get inspiration and resources and hope to start on that adventure you've been thinking about 24-7. That's building your family through adoption. I've been in your shoes, so I know what you're thinking. And Thank you so much for joining me today. We're going to have a great show. We're have an adoption attorney on, Nicole Moore, and we're going to just dive into this whole weird thing of COVID pandemic and what to do and what's going on in the adoption world. And not only just the challenges, the struggles, but how you can overcome them, the workarounds and the positive things that are actually coming out of it. So there are some great things that we're going to talk about in this interview and before we get into that, I want to you to know that you can find an adoption agency that is right for you. And I got a new course on how to do that. If you go to findmyadoptionagency.com, you can find out about the course and when it's going to be open again and how you can take advantage of the course to make sure you find the right adoption professional for you. Just go to findmyadoptionagency.com. All right, let's get into the interview right now with Nicole Moore. Okay, on the show today, we welcome Nicole Moore. She is a board-certified adoption attorney who practices exclusively in the area of adoption law throughout the state of Florida and then also in conjunction with out-of-state placements. She also represents adoptive parents in adoption finalizations, represents several adoption agencies in private adoption placements. She's a member of the prestigious Quad A, as I like to refer to it, but it's the Academy of Adoption and Reproductive Attorneys, the Florida Adoption Council, the Orange County Bar Association. So uh, being board certified in adoption law is a big deal. So I'm, I'm very excited to have her on the show. She handles adoptions, domestic adoptions and many other forms, but she also speaks publicly on the subject of adoption. So we're very lucky to have her on the show today. Welcome, Nicole. How are you doing? Hi, I'm so honored to be here today with you talking about my favorite topic. <laughs> Yes, me too. Uh, uh, well, at least lately, anyway. We're going to cover the COVID-19 pandemic and just what you do during adoption during this, because I, it's, it's been on everybody's hearts and minds as you start to get into the adoption journey. And what does that mean? Does it mean you're going to be held back? Does it mean there's going to be lots of struggles? We're going to get into all of that, but you know, the world just feels weird. It's upside down right now with this pandemic going on. And we get a lot of questions through the Facebook groups and emails just about what do we do? How do we handle this? What, how does the normal, pro the normal process gets turned upside down? But the truth is babies are still being born. Adoptions are still happening by the thousands. But yes, the struggles are real. It's tough. We're going to talk about them today. We're going to talk about the positives, though, too, the solutions and the hope that's still there for those wanting to adopt you the listener listening to this. So let's dive into some of these questions, uh, Nicole, because I really want to know in your experience as an adoption attorney, you've handled these things all day, every day. How has this COVID-19 pandemic really affected infant adoptions in the U.S.? Well, I'm glad that we're doing this interview now because as of the last few months, things have certainly um, worked itself out. And I would say the numbers are back to normal and we've been able to successfully navigate any of the hiccups that the pandemic has thrown our way. Certainly 
the biggest hit was in the first few months in March and April. But since that time, really, I would say that as an adoptive family looking to adopt, the process has not changed that much. The biggest changes that we see um, are an increase in virtual communication, maybe less face-to-face, and little bit of a change in what the hospital scene might look like and a little bit of a change in what court appearances might look like. But overall, like you said, babies continue to be born every single day and birth parents continue to want to place with them with adoptive parents like your listeners. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of these things that happen in the adoption journey, the home studies, uh, the background checks, things that you actually physically, usually physically have to go and be in person on and, and do are completed. How do these change during the pandemic? I mean, I know when we went through our home study, we had in-person interviews, like either we went to their office or they came into our home or both. How specifically, maybe let's just talk about home studies. How, how does that, how has that been affected in your opinion? Sure. So the agency that I'm in-house with, Heart of Adoptions, um, has been completing the bulk of the home study interviews via a video call um, with all of the members of the household present. Um, Then it kind of takes the time that that person would be in your home and reduces it to a quick home visit where it can be more of a walkthrough versus conducting the interviews and the education in your home around your dinner table. Um, Of course, you know, caseworkers are required to wear the masks and follow the social distancing while in any prospective adoptive parent's home. Um, And then a short interview can be conducted in the home as well as a safety check. Uh, The clients, we are asking them to open all their doors so that there's limited contact with any surfaces by the caseworker that's performing the home study. They also ask the prospective adoptive family the screening questions before conducting the home visit to ensure that there's um, been no exposure to anyone that's tested positive uh, for COVID or anyone awaiting test results in that home, as well as ensuring no one in the household has traveled outside the the state with the last seven to 10 days. you know, of course, we trust our clients to tell us if anyone's feeling ill or has a fever. Um, and of course, the caseworker would not enter a home if, if there's any indication of increased, you know, contraction. So home studies, you know, when we think about home studies, when we have a social worker coming into our home, uh, we, we're cleaning our home like crazy anyway, even though they tell us, oh, you don't have to be completely spotless. I think a lot of us, including me and my wife, we definitely did that Uh but beyond that and, and having the masks and everything, uh, the, the, the time in their home is going to be pretty limited, right? I mean, they're, they're only going to be there to do some walkthrough, like you said. So, Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely, Tim. And it's, it's so funny because every adoptive family that I speak to say the same thing, that you could eat off of their floor <laughs> and cleanest that their home has ever been, yeah. but... You know, I just would like to take this time to um, remind uh, prospective adoptive parents that the home study portion, consider it your ticket to adopt, right? So just like I needed to pass the bar to get a license to practice law, 
um, they need a positive home study in order to adopt. Cleanliness is, is not the focus of the visit. It is, um, you know, safetyness, availability of rooms. Um, you don't have a huge sinkhole in your backyard. And honestly, the most important thing is, is the, the criminal background checks and child abuse checks. Mm -hmm. I try to warn folks not to get too worried about that, that visit and that walkthrough. And the same remains um, for home studies during the pandemic. Yeah, a lot of it, I think, is just confirming what you've already tell them on paper, where you live, what kind of house you live in, what you have available for a child to live in your home and all those kinds of things. They just want to see it in person to make sure you're telling the truth. And like you said, everything is safe. So that's, that's right. They're not going through your medical cabinets yeah. and medicine and making sure, you know, it's baby proofed and, and whatnot, because certainly most of the time this, you know, this home study is going to do be done before the baby's even born. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Good. Good. Well, how has the restrictions from the pandemic? So maybe in each local state, I guess, and even e local regions inside of each state has their own restrictions that change all the time. How do hopeful adoptive parents uh, keep up with that? And how is that affecting how they interact with expectant moms that they might want to meet? Sure, that's a good question. And I would say that the caseworkers that I work with have done more video calls or um, Skype or FaceTime for the initial meet and greet if the adoptive parents do not live in Florida. We place children with Florida families as well as families all over the United States and actually beyond. Um, most of our babies are born in Florida and um, they are placed in homes throughout the United States. So I find that the Florida adoptive families are more open to travel for that initial meet and greet. And the out-of-state families that would typically be more comfortable hopping on a plane for a scheduled meet and greet visit are more comfortable doing so now over a video phone call. I think less, less of uh, those folks are willing to fly down and meet ahead of time. Um, and they are wanting to come down when it's delivery time. Um, and so I think that it just shifts to a virtual world. And I have to tell you, birth parents, you know, they've been in that virtual world probably, you know, and they're more comfortable in that world more so than maybe adoptive families. I think the majority of our birth parents choose text messaging or messenger as their preferred way of communication. Certainly for a sense of getting to know the adoptive parents, that in-person face-to-face meeting for those that want it is, is important before birth. Yeah, I think we're all getting a little more used to, now that we've been into this pandemic for months, uh, we've been used to video calls. and Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it really depends on, on the birth plan. I, I think that's where we see the, the most difference because um, birth parents that are placing, you know, have different birth plans that are ideal to them. Some of the birth parents we work with want, you know, the, the family in the delivery room, which is no longer um, really a possibility depending on the hospital. 
Um, most hospitals are letting in one support person for the, the birth mother. And so that doesn't allow the birth parents and adoptive parents to bond as they were able to pre-COVID, where the birth parents could watch the adoptive parents hold and care for and feed and bond with that infant until the birth mother and or father signed their consents, depending on the law in that state. So for Florida, it's 48 hours, or if you're discharged medically prior to that. So I can speak for a lot of the cases I've handled where it has been very important to the birth mothers to have the adoptive parents in the room bonding and then to physically hand that child over to the family that she selected as a very symbolic and precious way to say, I have carried this child for you. Um, I, I feel like that is, is a pivotal part in a lot of birth parent plans. And I am sad that that piece is not possible in every hospital, in every county, in every state. Um, what I do see as the positive is if they're not able to connect at the hospital, they're making all of the efforts to do that after discharge. So after the birth mother and the child are discharged from the hospital, they're doing that ceremonial handover or, you know, going their separate ways or, you know, whatever is going to be ideal for the birth mom, they're doing that afterwards. Mm. Um, so it's just different. You know, people say, is it better? Is it worse? It's, it's really just different. But the end result is the same. There's birth parents wanting to place and there's adoptive parents wanting to adopt. So the end result is the same. It's just a tweak here and there. Um, but really most professionals all over are able to rise up, meet those challenges and still make it work for all members of the adoption triad. Yeah, and that's really what we're about on this show is to try to give folks some hope and some keys to success and ways that they can actually thrive in this pandemic. Don't look at it necessarily as a bunch of roadblocks and struggles, but look at things, how you can um, accept it and change some of those into some positives. And one of them I was thinking of, and Arch, I, I, I've got to believe is, is happening, is having maybe a little more time. So once the baby's placed with you, like for in our case, we've got to spend that time when you are, ours were interstate adoptions. So we had time that we had to wait for the paperwork to clear ICPC. And we had that time in, in hotels and, and maybe that's changed now where you can have time in a, uh, Airbnb, a home, or maybe you have time elsewhere that you can share and have that bonding time with that baby before you go home. Or maybe you're in the same state and you are able to go home right away and you have that time to spend and you don't have a bunch of family jumping right in and, and being over at your house because of the pandemic. Are you seeing those kind of same things? Sure. I think that what you mentioned about kind of having less people than pre-pandemic come and, you know, after, let's say, an ICPC wait period of 
being in Florida seven to 10 business days, they return home to their home state and perhaps they would have had a whole baby shower or a whole neighborhood waiting to, to welcome the baby with signs and, and family that has traveled in. And certainly that looks different now. Certainly uh, we see those um, celebrations and mass welcomings being done over Zoom or virtually again. I see a lot of adoptive parents, you know, only allowing really close family members in, um, you know, even some that have adopted really early on in the pandemic still haven't been able to introduce their child to some of their close friends because they're really being safe. Hmm. What about before, let's say you're matched with a, a expectant mom and the baby's going to be born would it make sense for the couple, or at least if it's only one hopefully adoptive parent that can go into the hospital, does it make sense for them or how are you coaching them to, to prepare for that time? If there is time, hopefully there is, but are you coaching them to just, you know, isolate themselves for up to seven to 10 or 12, 14 business days or something like that? Not business days, 14 days just to make sure that they are COVID free uh, going into that environment so, so they can absolutely get into the hospital and, and be with the baby and, and the birth mom? Right. So the agency um, that I'm in-house with, as well as all the agencies that I represent that I'm not in-house with, have been upstanding on following the CDC guidelines. And because we do so many interstate adoptions, um, what I saw was um, really only quarantining from the few handful of states where the CDC said that if you're going to travel, you do have to be quarantined uh, for 10 to 14 days. So it was simply following those recommendations and adoptive families that were coming from those more risky states would calendar the 14 days to arrive before so that that when the child was ready to be placed in their care, they could accept placement mm -hmm. right away and then um, waited out for the ICPC time. Right. What other what other challenges uh, would hopeful adoptive parents face? Do we talk about home study? We talk about uh, hospital visits. What else could they face during the pandemic? Those things that they may have to overcome or, or think about before. Yeah, I see, you know, I don't know if it's an, a challenge. I mean, overall, the initial couple of months, um, some people adapted to this new way of life better than others. Um, I also see in our adoption world and outside of our, our adoption world, there are folks that are more stressed out about the restrictions and limitations um, and others that are, are, you know, a higher stress uh, level. So that'll comes into play too when we're working with an adoption triad but you know the the zoom way of life has has really become more normalized and acceptable to people um and for adoptive and you know expectant parents as well um you know i i think that the technical changes are actually going to stay longer term I think that they were more challenging in the beginning, like I said, but becoming more normalized. And I think, um, you know, even when people are working from home and we're appearing at 
support, you know, over Zoom, some of that spills over to client interaction as well as adoptive parent and birth parent interaction, which I personally have a hard time embracing because I'm, I'm very much a people person. I care deeply for our clients. I like getting to know them on a personal level, you know, face to face. But I think that's the, the biggest challenge. And I, I just think that there's other ways to do it now. And while we might prefer, you know, I might, I prefer an adopted family sitting in my office and, you know, um, speaking with them in that, you know, intimate setting that speaking to them over Zoom or FaceTime, you know, is working. Yeah. Is there any ideas or tips you can give them for those kinds of, for Zoom calls, for not just with you or the adoption professional, but also with um, the expectant mom? Is there any kind of tips you can give them for, uh, maybe there's some good things to do, best practices, I guess, for being on a Zoom call? Because uh, you're not just talking to them, but you're in front of them. So do you want to make sure you're... Uh, what we have in the background is 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 good and those kinds of things or what kind of best practices would you give them sure so i don't think my advice for adoptive parents com communicating with a birth mom via zoom would be really much different than communicating in person i always tell adoptive parents to be yourself um it's sometimes your own quirks and things that you might not think would would shed a great light on you that actually the birth mom connects with. You know, you might be embarrassed that your dog runs out barking his head off like mine did about 10 minutes ago. Um, but yet that is the birth mother's favorite dog. She grew up with that dog. The bark reminded her of her own dog. And that was a way that she just connected with you and you broke the ice by allowing that to happen, even though you might be mortified. And I thought we locked him up and how did he get out of the room and we needed quiet. It might've been just the perfect, you know, um, thing to happen because it probably broke the ice. So I find like, you know, funny things like, like that, you know, often portray you in just a human aspect which you know the birth mom is looking at you through a lens and through a computer or through a phone and so it's those little human moments that really make you more desirable and and maybe easier for her to picture you caring for her child and not just you know a really well-dressed well-spoken educated couple on the opposite side of the screen yeah, yeah, I can I can see that. I can, I can see a positive if you're doing a video call, a Zoom call and she's talking to you and watching you. It, it's a lot like a or similar to a profile video. I uh, I love profile videos because they just allow a expectant mom to see you and hear you and just get your mannerisms and all those things, but also see the environment you're in. So I'm thinking when you're on a Zoom call with a expectant mom and you get a chance to meet her and talk with her. One big no-no I could th I could see is don't change your back. Don't make a virtual background because they don't want to make it look like you're hiding something. You know, just be in your own environment, in your own space. Let her see either the couch that you're sitting on or whatever. It's it's okay. Uh, I don't know I that anybody would want to do that, but uh, it might be something I would think about. 
I would agree with that. And that's kind of the same advice that I give when adoptive families are asking which, which pictures or images to provide in their profile. You know, you want um, to provide the ones that are really make you who you are and make you unique. So, you know, one time I worked with this family that they they had a huge Kentucky Derby party every single year and they actually got a horse and they did pony rides. And I mean, they went out, you know, just decked it every single year. And that was something kind of unique about them. Yeah. And, the, you know, the birth parent that ended up so selecting them, her parents were, were from Kentucky and she had visited the Derby one, you know, so it's just like the, the, I had a, I had a couple of one time say, we're really, really into cats. Like it'll probably, it, you know, we don't want to scare any birth parents, you know, like thinking we're like crazy cat people, you know, but um, by the way, we, we might be crazy cat people, you know? And so they were under the assumption that they should kind of not fly that flag. And my advice was the opposite. You know, um, there's going to be somebody who loves cats as much as you do. And while you might not be every birth parent's cup of tea, um, this could be exactly what differentiates you from the other, you know, stack of profiles that she looks like, you know, looks at. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had families say, gosh, you know, all these other family profiles we look at, they vacation and they do all these fun things. And I don't know, we're just not, we really love books. You know, we're just, we love books and literature. And I don't know, I just, how do we make ourselves look more fun? And again, you know, I don't know that you need to be more fun <laughs> because you love literature and you're going to, that's your thing. Fly that flag. And, you know, so just be yourself. Um you know, find a room in your house that you, you know, if someone is looking into your home would say, look at that safe, cozy place. And, and, you know, maybe not, you know, in your kitchen, maybe like in a, in a comfortable area where maybe you would hold the baby to, to mm. give the, the birth mother a chance to envision that, you know, where they, where you'd be rocking the baby, you know, where you would be cuddling the baby. Um, I think that that that's kind of a sweet idea. Would you recommend, or do you think this would happen is if somebody's on a zoom call with an expectant mom that they would get the idea of, Hey, can I just give you a quick tour of our house? You know, I, I don't know. Is that going too far? I mean, or I'm just a thought popped in my head that you know, maybe that would be sure. I think, um, so in Florida, we have confidentiality laws that protect both sides, the birth parents and the adoptive parents, regarding last names, addresses, identifying information mm -hmm. um, that needs to be followed by the placing agency or attorney. However, um, once there is a match made between birth parents and adoptive families, they're will, you know, welcome to share any type of that confidential information with each other. But we do warn our families that you might not want to take a picture of your house with your address on your mailbox. You know, um, you might not want to wear your work shirt if you work for, um, a specific company that might be easy, you know, to find. And, um, the advice is not, um, 
to say that you don't share those afterward, but as an initial profile, it could go out to multiple uh, birth moms looking to place a child. Um, I would think that less of that information is, is better in the beginning. Um, but I think a general tour, if asked around your house, um, you know, it, it would be up to the comfort level of, of the family. Sure. Yeah. Just things to think about when you're doing a Zoom call. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would advise, and I think you've already said this, you, if you're unsure, ask your adoption professional, ask your adoption, your attorney, your agency, your social worker, they can give you some good, clear advice on if you just have questions about those kinds of things. They, they've been dealing with this and they ought to be able to help you with that. Uh, yeah, back. and have a, fallback, have a fallback answer too. Yeah, you know, yeah. people say, what if she asks this, you know, or what if she asks that? Mm-hmm. Or have a fallback answer that you guys prepare. So it might be something like, oh my gosh, so there, you know, so many restrictions about what we have been told to do and not to do and what we can share and can't share. So if it's okay, I just want to, you know, go go over that with the caseworker or the attorney just to to make sure, because there's nothing I would want to do to jeopardize, you know, working. So I just want to make sure that I'm allowed to speak to that or discuss that or share that. I just want to do everything right. So let me just run that by our caseworker or our attorney. That's great advice. Yep. Yep. Then you have something to fall back on. If you're not sure, you haven't discussed it, you're not, you don't know what to say or do. That's your fallback answer. I love that. That's right. So what are some, um, some positive things that you've seen that have come out of these? Uh, we've mentioned a few of them already. Uh, anything else that you can see of that? That's a positive. That's a, a good thing. That's maybe provide some folks, some hope, uh, during this pandemic. Well, I'll tell you one thing that was not present before this pandemic um, was that most of our adoption finalizations would be handled, you know, in the courtroom for local parents and um, via, you know, a Skype or a Zoom for out-of-state parents. But the judges would only allow the appearance of the attorney handling the finalization hearing, as well as the family in which the adoption finalization was being handled for. Now, since the pandemic, I've seen judges become so gracious and wonderful that I had a couple ask me if they could get 15 other Zoom links sent out to friends and family that would have about five to six people in that home to witness the adoption hearing. Oh, wow. And I did not think that my judge would be open to that for fear of people talking and uh, disrupting the flow or technical difficulties or every everything that can be challenging with having multiple people on a Zoom. And I was pleasantly surprised that I was wrong and the judge welcomed anyone and everyone to zoom in to the hearing. And not only that, but went through every participant and asked them to introduce themselves and how they know the family. Oh, man. Wow. So needless to say, I had the goosebumps from head to toe because it was the most touching adoption finalization that I have done virtually ever. 
because it was so intimate even though there was people from all over joining in from their own homes, it, it felt more intimate than an actual in-person, um, you know, hearing. It, it, it was it was really beautiful. And an in-person hearing, it's not likely the judge is going to, you know, speak, to, allow others in the courtroom or even speak to the ones that, that are there. Um, so I think the judges know how different this is for for our adoptive families and they want to make it that much more special. So I've really seen some of these finalizations turn out to be, and, and they can record them as well. So then, now they'll have this, you know, recording um, because sometimes, you know, there's only going to be pictures allowed mm -hmm. in a courthouse. So now they could have these recordings um, of their entire finalization um, and that's been a kind of neat thing that I think has, has come out of it. That's very, very cool, man. I, that would be just amazing having a whole bunch of people on <laughs> Zoom call me and I'm able to witness your finalization that, uh, your, your family is now a forever family and what a special, <laughs> special moment, you know, that's awesome. A lot of people ask me and I don't know if you, you've heard this too, but you know, um, you know, are, are the court. Are the, are the court hearings harder to come by yeah. and what it, the time delays, but, um, you know, really everything on track, um, we're not having hiccups in, in timing, um, or anything. Um, finalizations are on track. Um, the courts have been terrific in, in getting us the hearing time that we need. And not once have we heard, you know, we're, we're booking, you know, this, this far out because of COVID. It's just, um, it's been really nice to see that there's no delays in our normal timeline of when we would go to court and get hearing time and time because really everybody is creating the technological pathway for these just to continue in a really timely manner. Yeah, that's great to hear because that's, yeah, one thing you would think would be a delay. And I've heard people, too, getting delayed on their home studies uh, getting started. And what would you recommend to somebody that, say, they're getting started and they just reach out to whatever whoever their local adoption agency or whoever they're going with? And that home study provider says, yeah, we are delayed in getting all this done and can't get out to meet everybody. And we're, we're several months out. What, is that something normal right now or what would you recommend to somebody in that situation? Well, again, I, I think it depends on the laws of that state and what is required or not. But I find that some adoption professionals, um, you know, they may forget what is required by law and what your practice is. Hmm. So in other words, even though you're practice is to spend that time with them in their home and do the education in the home and do this in the home and spend several hours, you really, I hope, would, would think outside of the box and be able to serve clients in the same manner, changing up how you do things and still in accordance with the, with the law. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, being able to do as much as you can beforehand and being able to do some interviews virtually and being able, um, you know, to have maybe, you know, you have them walk out of the house and you walk in. I mean, there's, there's just workarounds, I think for everything. And I think there's some professionals that have a mindset more for 
I'm not going to let this affect my clientele. I'm going to find a way to do these workarounds. Mm -hmm. And then other professionals feel like, you know, they are going to experience delays because they might, they've done it one way and, and they're not as open to, to rise to the challenge to find the workaround. So I would say, don't give up. Don't get discouraged. If the first few calls, they say that they're, you know, they're, they're backed up or they're booked. Is that, is that because there's so many people, you know, ahead of you? Can you pay X sometimes depending on the facts of your case? I know we offer expedited home studies where, you know, if you have to have your home study done by a certain court date to, to get the, the child, you know, you can pay for an expedited fee where you can go to the, you know, emergency list of, of us getting out to you. Um, you know, if there's not somebody in your town, maybe it's a small town, you know, it could, could a contract worker, you know, go? I mean, again, sometimes people forget what the law says about who needs to make the visit and do the interviews. Mm -hmm. it, it might not have to be someone from your agency. It might not have to be a clinical social worker. You know, could it be, um, you know, a contract worker to, to get it done quicker? So I just think you have to be willing to look at these situations and these challenges with a co commitment to find a workaround so that your clients don't experience a hiccup, which I'm proud to say ours, ours happened. Yeah, you know, in a, in a normal year and in a normal situation outside of a pandemic, always the advice I always give, at least to hopeful adoptive parents, and because we had to do this ourselves through our three adoptions, is you got to be flexible. You got to be able to roll with the punches, and when things, when things uh, yin you yang, you know, you you have to you have to be able to know that things might go, not go perfectly uh, all the way through, and they probably won't. And you have to just be prepared for that and try to find another way, try to find a workaround, don't give up. And during the pandemic, I think it's even more important uh, for that uh, to keep that thought in the front of your mind as you're going through your, your adoption adventure, that something's going to happen, something's going to change. A hospital may change their uh, rules about uh, who gets to go in and, or what kind of situation is, is acceptable to go in for the baby's birth or who knows there's a million different variables so make sure you stay on top of it with your adoption attorney with your adoption professional and uh, work with them and but don't give up just give keep working at it and uh, keep asking questions asking about workarounds and you may have to be a little bit more flexible than you did last year because of the protocol changes among the hospitals, you know, and um, they might say this month that it's going to be X, Y, Z. And then next month they could change the protocol again. So what the caseworker told you was going to be the birth plan now has changed. But yeah. if you can, you know, be flexible knowing that some of these things are beyond your attorney or your agency that's handling your placement beyond their control, um, you know, we have great reputations with the hospitals, you know, that we work with throughout Florida. And so I've seen some bend over backwards to open up conference rooms. You know, typically the caseworker would go right up to the floor into the birth mother's room and a consent could be signed after 48 hours in the room and the privacy with, you know, the birth mom is there with whomever she wants there um, because they're not letting 
you know, caseworkers really into the hospital for the safety reasons. And because most hospitals are just having the, the birth mom have one support person, I've had hospitals that literally allow our staff to use their conference room and will wheel the birth mother down to meet us in a conference room to do all of the legal documents. I mean, that's been neat because, you know, you, you have more space and actually more room and mm -hmm. privacy and you don't have nurses coming in and taking your blood and giving you, <laughs> you know, um, you know, uh, checks and, and whatnot with the beeping. So that's, that's been another really, you know, I mean, kind of perk. Um, certainly there's some hospitals that have become really strict. I got a call from an, from another agency that I represent and their caseworker was, I don't know what to do. They, they're not letting us in the hospital at all, at all. What am I, you know, how am I, what am I going to do? And I, I said, you just, you just wait outside then you just, you wait outside. And when the birth bombs discharged, you know, you, you just, you just do it. You bring a clipboard and you do it in your car or on the hood of your car. You just make it work. You just, you sign outside, you know, mm -hmm. it's not ideal, but we can still do this. We just have to have the mentality that we're not going to let this pandemic change the overall goal that we are, are here to pursue, which is getting, children to their forever families yeah and through it all you know we always always have to keep in mind uh, the uh, empathy for these birth moms i mean they're going through crisis who knows what they're going through um but it's a very traumatic time in their life and and like on our three adoptions i mean it was a it was crazy exciting for us but also crazy heartbreaking uh, to watch them and so please always have that in your mind as a hopeful adoptive parent that when you meet them and when you have that uh, discharge from the hospital and you're you're in that moment have that sympathetic uh, ear and thought and just keep them and their I, what they have going on in their world in your mind and be sympathetic to them. Just care for them and love on them because uh, it's, it's a very crazy, crazy time. It is. And it, it, it's, it's hard for everybody, but I love that you, that you directed the focus to that because certainly we have to be mindful that they have less resources, less support, less, um, you know, finances that right. others might have, which are playing a big role in their decision to place their child. So, you know, professionals like us that, that have resources and support and maybe better finances to be able to handle some of the struggles that have come with the pandemic, we're still struggling, right? So if, if professionals and adoptive families and, and people with resources are really struggling. Imagine, you know, these birth parents and their, their living situation and working situation and, you know, raising the children perhaps that they have. Um, certainly before the pandemic, they were in tough situations that added to their decision to place. And I, I have to imagine that they're struggling more than ever now, um, mm -hmm. especially from financial, you know, financial perspectives, um, loss of jobs, loss of income, loss of hours, maybe having kids at home because you don't feel like it's safe for them to go to school. I, I, 
I just appreciate the focus that you did put on them. And from an adoptive parent, prospective parent, you know, perspective, you should really understand that it's, pro you know, however these changes have been hard for us, it's, it's got to be multiple times more difficult for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Just keep that thought uh, as you're going through your, your journey. So uh, as we wrap up here, I want to know if you have any stories that you could share that maybe some folks uh, you've worked with directly successfully adopted in this uh, crazy time with COVID going on, even with limitations, struggles, whatever they have going on. Do you have some uh, success stories that you could share with us? Sure. Well, I think I, I have shared some, some of yeah. my favorites, <laughs> but, you know, I, I find um, success to be um, present when, you know, somebody says no, or somebody puts a stumbling block in your way and you find a workaround and a way to accomplish the goal for, for um, all the parties. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we've been all the stories of all the placements and all the finalizations that have occurred in, in my personal um, professional world uh, since COVID have been successful because there, there hasn't been anything that, you know, um, because of COVID, we weren't able to do this. So overall, it's, it's a positive, you know, I want to be sending a positive message that, you know, COVID really should not impact your dream or plan to adopt. Yes, you might have to be more flexible. Yes, you might have to plan travel in a different manner and communicate in a different manner. Um, you know, yes, you might miss um, a hospital, you know, face-to-face -face experience, but they're being made up for in other areas, you know, like I shared with the Zoom and the, the you know, gosh, you must have had 50 people attending, mm -hmm. you know, the finalization hearing, um, you know, um, there's been a shift to outdoor meetings, you know, sometimes uh, birth moms would always just assume we'll meet for lunch, you know, we'll meet the adoptive family for lunch. Well, you know, now we're doing a lot of outdoor um, meetings where we'll meet at a park and, and that's a, a different experience for everybody. Um, and I think a positive one. So, I feel like all of, of the stories that I have end positively because the children are, are going to their forever families and the birth parents plan that they made are being honored um, in the end. Yeah. Despite COVID. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> and that's really what we're here about today is just provide you, the listener, hope that you can do this. You can adopt. Don't let that pandemic mess with you or mess with your plans or, uh, or, or give you some just fear that you can't get it done because you can and people have and Nicole's worked with them. Uh, she's she's a, a living example of proof that people have actually adopted during this COVID times and you can too. So I so much appreciate you coming on and, and giving us all this uh, good experience and this positive this hope, this some inspiration to folks that they can actually do this. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to let folks know where they can connect with you. Well, thank you so much. So I am an attorney at the law offices of Jeannie Tate. I run the Orlando firm and in-house we have Heart of Adoptions, which is the placing agency 
that Ms. Tate owns. And so I manage that in our Orlando satellite office. Uh, the best way to reach me is via email. My email is Nicole at jtatelaw.com. And you could also connect with me through our website, which is www.floridaadoptionattorney.com. And I would just like to leave you with, with one more thought. Um, when you are choosing who you want to handle your adoption, whether it's pre-COVID or post-COVID, it's always been my strong recommendation that you have to work with proven reputable professionals in the field of adoption. And you need to ensure that the agency and attorneys that you choose to work with have integrity and are experienced so that they can make this happen for you without the hiccups and be certain that the attorney has a reputation for ethics and has distinguished herself or himself in the field of adoption and check references. What do other people have to say after working with that attorney or that agency, making sure that your choice has been a safe, legal and ethical one. So ask questions, you know, um, speak up, make good choices about who you choose to work with and your dreams of building your family are absolutely um, able to come true. Love it. Love it. Love it. That's great. Great stuff. Great advice. And I appreciate you you coming on the show. All the links and everything that we just talked about, including Nicole's, uh, the website there and the email that she mentioned, all be in the show notes. So you don't have to uh, try to remember them or write them down. You can just go to uh, infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 79 and the links, everything you want to see will be right there. So thank you so much, Nicole, for coming on the show today. You are awesome. You did a great job. And uh, everybody listening to this will be better off uh, for listening to your advice. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. The honor was mine. Thank you so much. All right. Great interview with Nicole and how we can successfully adopt even during this COVID-19 pandemic. And hopefully in the near future, we won't even have to worry about this pandemic. But you can take some positive things out of this this show. And I hope you go and listen to it. Maybe listen to it twice. There's so much is packed so much with good stuff and good advice, workarounds, and really hope that you can adopt. You know, if you're even considering adoption, you don't think it's right, or maybe this is a crazy time. Why would I even want to adopt? during this pandemic, you can do it. And thousands of people are doing it. So that's the hope we want to give you. You can do this. You can adopt. Things will happen for you. And their adoption professionals have had months to work through all these things, to find good workarounds, to find the positives, and to find ways to make these things work even during a pandemic. So don't be afraid to get started Jump in and uh, find all the links that we talked about during the show today, infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 79. Everything will be there for you and uh, you can get started on your adoption journey. Uh, so if you really want some more support, I invite you to join our Facebook group. Uh, we have a dedicated Facebook group. It's private. Uh, I am the admin, so anybody who wants to get in, have to answer a few questions. So we can only make sure we get really good support in there. It's only for hopeful adoptive families like you. So jump into the Facebook group and you go to infantadoptionguide.com at the top of the screen. They'll say Facebook group. Click that link and you um, you ask to be get in, and I will let you in, and I I'll talk to you in there too because I'm in there all the time. 
commenting and helping support the folks that are in there and there's thousands in there so I invite you to go in and check it out so thanks for listening to this episode and until next time you are in my prayers as you go on the journey to build your family through infinite adoption god bless thanks for listening to my dad